And I'm so excited to be back into the groove of podcasting. So, thanks for tuning in here in Ponder Over. Welcome back, guys. I mean, welcome to my first episode. I'm feeling all sorts of things right now that I'm back. But first, you may ask me, oh my god, what happened to Cuentos with Leia, my old podcast? Why did it disappear without any trace or any goodbyes? Well, for one, it's because I got so busy and my head got wrapped around with school and personal challenges. It's very discomforting for me to talk while going through something. And I wasn't in the right headspace. And that made me spiral into so much negative self-talk and self-flagellation. And yeah, you know my crippling depression? Yeah, still on the loose. Uh, I just had to take time and space for myself for a long while. I also wanted to restart podcasting because it's such a growing experience to do things you are uncomfortable with. And second, I hate oversharing and leaving digital footprints anywhere. I don't want to be out there. But now to me, it's like, who cares anyway? I shouldn't linger on about what other people say because in all honesty, nobody cares. Nobody cares. Well, maybe some do, but that's very rare. I don't always have self-trust that sometimes I believe I am incapable of doing things that I love and I'm not good enough, etc., etc., all that negative vibe. Now, I think I've healed a bit from it. And there have been a few negative comments from my previous podcast. And that made me sulk a bit. But hey, it's for me to improve and revamp my content creation. (laughs) Lastly, watching my videos and listening to my podcast made me cringe so bad. So bad. It's so insane. I hate hearing my voice. It's just so cringe. I think it's deeply rooted in my non-existent self-belief, low self-esteem, low self-confidence. Yet, one of my favorite artists, and by this I mean Taylor Swift, said, Learn to live alongside cringe. No matter how hard you try to avoid being cringe, you will look back on your life and cringe retrospectively. Cringe is unavoidable over a lifetime. Even the term cringe might someday be deemed cringe. And like, wow, it's so nice to hear that from her. Honestly, I think about all the mistakes I've made and contemplate that, you know, it made me who I am today. And I treat them as my learning curve. You know, when I feel so bad about a mistake I made, I just think of the person I adore the most and say, you know, they probably are so likable and perfect. They didn't make the right decisions at all times. And that, that always makes me feel better because, you know, we're humans and it's inherent or second nature to us to make wrong decisions. And I guess the biggest mistake I had with my previous podcast is that I always think that this should be relatable and a bit controversial. I think whatever content I put out, it has to be noteworthy And a few of my topics were about love and relationships, 
body image, feminism, migration, fragile masculinity, etc., etc. And to me, they were very good content. And I hear some of what I said and my guests said actually helped other people. And that really makes my heart warm. I always want to help other people or at least do no harm to anybody, uh, hopefully. But I have this social anxiety, whether it's irrational or not, that makes me really timid or shy. I'm afraid that others might hear me or what I have to say, which is now so last year. I need to grow out of the shell of putting a spotlight on me because I always think everybody's looking at me or noticing every single mistake I say or make. But in reality, I'm the only one inflating myself in any circumstance. When in fact, I love creating content. I like talking. I like inviting people over to talk in my podcast. It's my creative outlet. For my January favorites. Ooh, last month, I started budgeting and doing all the nitty-gritty cash flow spreadsheets. And at first, it hurt, but I got the hang of it because no more mindless spending this 2024. This entailed a lot of cooking, meal prep, plus washing the dishes and rare takeouts. I became more mindful about what I eat and the things I put into my food and in my system. Like, wow, who is she? The thing is, I'm not yet quite there as a good cook, but as long as I'm better than my mom at cooking, then I'm good. But side note, she can't cook. My mom can't cook. She can't cook. But my dad, on the other hand, well, chef's kiss. Really good at cooking, gardening, etc., etc., whatever hobbies he might have. What else? Hmm... Oh, I also secured Leyve tickets in Manila last month. All thanks to my friend who got a really low queue number during the artist pre-sale. I swear, it was a game of luck. Out of the 50,000 people who lined up? Oh, I actually saw Leyve last year in May and we'll see her again this coming May. For those who do not know, Leyve, or as I previously thought, Leyve? Leyve? Is a singer-songwriter from Iceland. She is Chinese Icelandic and has achieved prominence for her success as a jazz artist. I love jazz for some reason. It's just so calming. And I don't mean this like the memes online, okay? And yeah, she also won a Grammy recently. Um, my next favorite from January is the song The Conflict of the Mind by none other than my soulmate or spirit animal, Ohoha. Ohoha. Aurora, a Norwegian singer who just blows me away all the time with her wisdom and perspective in life. I swear, I cried so hard because a song reminded me of my sisters as Aurora also has two older sisters, same as me. So please check her out. She has the most amazing songs. I remember when I was still in high school, I would listen to her witchy songs from her first album, All My Demons, Greeting Me as a Friend. And oh my god, that was a trademark in my high school life. What are the books I've read? Hmm. Oh, um, there's this book called Convenience Store Woman. I forgot who the author was, but she's a Japanese writer. And while reading the book, I was like, what the actual fuck am I reading? I literally 
cringe so bad and my eyes would open up wide over some of the events in that book but holy shit the message of the book is something i've never heard before no spoilers but basically a woman worked part-time at a convenience store for about 18 years and that's all she ever did her family and friends worried about her because she doesn't seem normal or that she's stuck in that trivial job unmarried that her family sent her to a therapist tried to cure her of some sort but you know she felt it in her bones that she liked what she was doing she was very good at her work and she couldn't get enough of the sound of the convenience store so the message of the book to me was like hey uh do what you love as long as you're not harming anybody and yourself don't let anybody's opinion ruin you you know damn uh this reminds me of the song cure for me by aurora also honestly there's no cure for weirdos in society even i sometimes i don't feel fit in the society but yeah that's just my thought so i went on instagram and asked my friends for questions about anything that i would answer here in the first episode of the ponder over podcast so i'll just scroll and pick some first what are your thoughts on the influencing industry? Hmm. Influencing industry. This may be a bit jarring, but I do believe that if you feel good when you see an influencer on social platforms, then go ahead, follow them. But when you see others who might affect you negatively, because you know the internet makes you compare yourselves to others, then I highly, highly think unfollow or mute is the best option. With social media, it's so easy to see what your friends, celebrities, influencers are doing that it makes us tell ourselves that we should be doing more, traveling more, going to places, cafes, having designer items, and all that noise. The influencing industry to me feels like this parasocial relationship with, for example, a celebrity influencer. We feel close to them like, we know them very well, but they don't even know we exist. I mean, I do feel this with people I follow, but in a larger sense, you're really following them so they could sell you things. Like brands with their ads, engagements, partnerships, and the like. They build their own brand, create quality content, manage their videos. There's nothing wrong though. I mean, that's their source of income. And it's also not easy to be an influencer. But what's debilitating and harmful is that there's so much higher regard for influencers. But high-skilled jobs are very undervalued. Like healthcare workers, engineers, and you know, teachers. Teachers who are the backbone of education. But yeah, these are just my thoughts. There's no way we can put the blame on a certain individual or influencer if their content exhibits a false reality compared to the general. Next question. What are your concert stories? Sana all nakapag-concert. Yo! Yeah, I mean, it's a privilege I enjoy from the hard work of my parents as a non-working girly. But I only manage to go because of my savings, or sometimes my dad sponsors me. Going to concerts of my favorite artists are really a part of me, and it's one of, I could say, 
luxury that I can have and enjoy. We all have different luxuries in life and expensive things that we spend on. So I guess it's fine. It's our hard-earned money anyway. So we get to spend it how we like. But also, mindful spending is our vision. Anyway, concert stories. My first concert was Disney on Ice. I don't even know if that counts, but if it doesn't, then it has to be Avril Lavigne when I was in sixth grade. I barely remember anything, but I remember the Araneta Coliseum being so big to me. But now that I went there recently, it feels so small. I've had a fair share of concerts throughout the years, but I'll only share the noteworthy ones. Of course, I went to see Aurora in Singapore. Met a lot of people, which was so fun. I enjoyed talking to them. I remember standing at the entry and exit of the events place for a long time to see her. And we did. We were at the back of the building, then a white van passed by, and I saw Aurora's silhouette. So I waved and screamed, Aurora! <laughs> yeah. She waved back also, and we all ran to the direction of the van. It was really funny, but yeah, I hope I don't come across as a creep. Anyway, and then I went to see Harry Styles, which is also a funny story because I bought the tickets from a Facebook group a day before the concert. And I became friends with the seller of the ticket and her friends too, actually. Actually, we're all seeing Niall Horan this May 2024. Anyway, it was so fun too. I love his songs, I love his outfit, I love his humor. It was my first concert in Bulacan. And it wasn't too bad. <laughs> Although, we all know who managed and handled that concert. Anyway, I also saw Rex Orange County last year, but this time, I bought the ticket on the day of the concert. I literally bought it at 5pm on Twitter, and I had to fly from Alabang to Quezon City, which was so funny. I met up with my friend there too, had dinner, and enjoyed the show. It was really fun and very nostalgic. It reminded me of my high school days too. Ooh, and damn, I think I've talked about this earlier, but I also saw Leve in Alabang. It was so fun, but but yeah, the venue wasn't that good, but a 10 out of 10 show. She was really amazing. I also won't forget seeing Han, where I met the sweetest and nicest lady ever, <laughs> from whom I also bought the tickets from. Uh, yeah. Also received, what concert do you regret attending and what is your most fave? Hmm... Parang wala naman, because I don't really like having regrets. Maybe regret not attending. There's a lot. I regret most though not seeing Sigrid in Japan. Sigrid is another Norwegian artist. I think she had a concert in Japan and Indonesia. I really missed my chance, because I love all her songs. So, uh, for my favorite concert... I think it has to be, oh my god, I think this is cheesy, but I really liked my Animusica experiences because all of my friends were there, my sisters were there also. It's also about the people I surround myself with that makes it very memorable. And yeah, I mentioned 
Aurora's concert before. That's gotta be one of my favorites. Next. Help! How can you tell if you are in love or only in love with the thought of them? Actually, I refuse to answer questions about love. <laughs> I don't know why I even placed love on my prompt. I'm really bad at this department. But how can you tell if you're in love or only in love with the thought of them? <clears throat> Like Lana Del Rey said, when you know, you know. Don't ask me. Ask yourself questions like, how do I feel when I'm around them? Does my inner child feel safe when I'm around them? Can they make me laugh? Do I really enjoy having them around? Or does it feel like a chore? Am I anxious or jittery? Do I feel unseen or seen? Do I feel heard? Do they listen and comfort me in many ways? Come on, guys, it's 2024. Let us not fall in love with potential. Do not overcomplicate things. Just take what they show and give you and judge from that. It's like we love the idea of them but forget to see who they really are. We put on rose-colored glasses. So let's just not. When you know, you know. Don't end up idealizing them. That will just give you an illusion of trust, hope, and, and intimacy. When they really terrify you and are different from who they actually are. And remind yourself that you can't fix them by creating an illusion that is useful for you. Because I think if you're in love with the thought of them, their potential is based on false premises. Don't misconstrue reality. And if there's one lesson I want you to remember from this, it is to avoid disappointment at all times. <laughs> yeah, I hope that helped. This is not an advice, just take it with a grain of salt. <laughs> Next, how can I trick my best friend to become my partner? <laughs> but why would you trick them? It's, it's best to just be yourself and be an effective communicator. I heard it only takes one conversation that can change the direction and trajectory of both of your lives. I know it's weird to confess. I myself only confessed once and it was nerve-wracking. But it's also so tiring to keep it to yourself. You either get a positive answer from your friend or rejection. Rejection isn't always a bad thing. You might lose the friendship though, but yeah... I it's for the best. Protect your heart. Guard it with all your might. But on the flip side, you didn't miss the chance to be with your best friend if in case they feel the same. Remember, we only regret the chances we didn't take. Ooh, Nikki, Nikki bars. So shoot your shot, guys. Joke lang. Don't listen to me. Next, what's your current love life theme song? <laughs> Halawala. Hmm. His laugh you die for. His laugh you die for. <laughs> Joke, not that. Um. Probably let's just go with "Invisible String" by Taylor Swift. How does it go again? Were there clues I didn't see? And isn't it just so pretty to think all along there was some invisible string tying you to me oh my god i love this song i like the part where she says one single thread of gold 
timey to you? Because I'm pretty sure my end game and your end game is protected. That even if I make a different choice, left or right, I will still end up with the right person. One day, guys. One day. I know our invisible strings will just tug us somewhere to somebody. Describe your personality using only three movie titles. Star Wars. Star Wars! <laughs> just kidding. This is just for the meantime, okay? My movie list always changes, but maybe... House Moving Castle? Well, actually, all Ghibli films. Where the crawdads sing and... Their proposal? <laughs> I don't know, but... Oh, I love that movie. I love all Sandra Bullock movies. Really funny. Ghibli films because, hey, I love mundane things. I love the different themes of the films. I also like where the crawdads sing because of the beautiful plot twist. Like, I love women in film equally as thrilling as Gone Girl. And the proposal, because you know, you need some humor in life. It's just really funny, I swear, especially when Sandra chants at the campfire. Jeez, I love so hard. I can watch it again and again. Is it worth it getting an iPad for STEM students, like in engineering? I have one, but I rarely use it. Just because I prefer pen and paper. And also my eyes burn so badly when I take notes on iPad. But that's just me. However, I love it in a way that it's very convenient to have all your files in one place. Then you can annotate and jot down notes while in class. You can also have all your textbooks or readings in one place. It's easier to read than using a phone or a laptop though. For engineering though, I think it's easier to write down formulas and solve problems on an iPad than flipping through pages in a notebook. But others don't have iPads and are still high achievers, so yeah, it doesn't really matter. So if it is worth it, yeah, for me it is. But that's just me. We have different study methods and learning styles, so that also depends on those. What are your thoughts on reading with physical books versus e-readers like Kindle? Oh, I think it's all about personal preference. Like, I don't have a Kindle, so I can't tell if it's better or not. Personally, I like buying physical books even if they're a bit expensive because it helps authors and publishers. There are also reprints of the books, which I don't patronize, although they're for a fraction of the price. I do have a huge amount of ebooks on my phone that I read sometimes before bed. And I realized that I read more on my phone than my physical books. But that was before though, because now I'm trying to lessen my screen time. And again, my eyes are very sensitive to blue light. And I love the paper feel and the smell of the books. I do have friends also who tell me that Kindle has changed their reading experience. It was just a breakthrough for them. Although they were skeptical in the beginning. So yeah, there's that. Where do you see yourself five years from now? Mm, this is so hard to answer and also anxiety driving. Because for the longest time, I just try to live day by day. And make it through each morning and night. You know, like my survival mode is on. But <clears throat> probably I might pursue masters, be in grad school. Although it's another set of years, I will submerge myself into studying. 
but I really want to have a new skill set and I love learning new things. I also want to work, you know, join the workforce, have contribution to society. <laughs> I feel so useless sometimes, although I'm not, and I shouldn't, but I can't help it. Five years from now, I claim that I am in a better place, happier, healthier, doing more, emotionally and mentally mature, more mindful and intentional, etc, etc. Oh my gosh, in five years, I'm nearly 30. Do I see myself getting engaged or married? <laughs> I don't know, but I wanna also claim it. Joke, I don't. I don't know. I have this fear of marrying the wrong person. It's one of my biggest fears. Like, I'd rather be alone with dogs and cats. But yeah, let's not let fear get in the way. Let's embrace it. Like Taylor Swift yet again said. What was that again? Uh, I want to be defined by the things that I love. Not the things I hate. Not the things I'm afraid of. Or the things that haunt me in the middle of the night. I just think you are what you love. So yeah, I guess choose wisely who and what to love. And hopefully in five years, I get to thank myself, be grateful that I graced myself with time, right alignment, and enough self-love to continue or keep going. Actually, I think me being lost is because I'm anxious about my 20s. Because I think it's the time where we make and choose life definers. It's the defining decade for the rest of our lives. But wait, this doesn't apply to everyone. Like some people say, life begins at 40. But in my 20s, I want to unlearn things. And the best social construct I unlearned is that scores on paper define me. I don't know for others, but yeah, that's the aha moment for me. I also unlearned that our 20s isn't the best time of life. But still, it can be fun. Because it's just stressful, you know. I, I'd like to make bold moves as of now. Although it is scary. But it will feel right. Because in a sense, these big bold choices allow us to grow. What motivates you? Oh my god, killing! I love this question. I think I'm on survival mode. I try to get by day by day. But to answer... Firstly, my friends. Like, I love my friends a lot, a lot. If I'm able to define love, it always goes back to my relationship with my friends and family. I get motivated because I know they believe in me more than I believe in myself. So the energy they give out to me, I receive them well. And it makes me feel good enough to continue. But to be honest, I just need something to hyperfixate on to get me through the day. Although this can be super disruptive to day-to-day -day function when it's very extreme. Oh, I remember my hyperfixation on Minecraft during my younger years. That made me lose track of time, forget to eat, have no social life. And not aware of what's going on around me. Wait, maybe hyperfixation is a wrong term. Maybe just, you know, get in the zone or be in a flow state like what I do when I do yoga. And yes, I do yoga. Yeah, just get in the zone when working or studying. What else? Hobbies. Hobbies, I guess. And making good and nutritious food that nourishes me. I make sure I have time for hobbies and other interests. 
Oh, it feels like a job interview now. But I am motivated most when there's friendly competition. Emphasis on friendly, okay? Journaling and going to therapy also helped me unravel the knots made of thoughts. Ooh, and making this podcast also. It's very helpful to have a safe space for me to dump my ideas. Ooh, this next question is daunting. What do you consider as micro-cheating? Okay, I'm not a professional first and foremost, but it has a lot to do with emotional cheating. It's easy to spot if you're being micro-cheated on. There's the typical white lies that aren't really white, keeping secrets, and they're very inattentive and somehow gets really defensive over anything they do. I could consider it as micro-cheating if they're talking to somebody they know who likes them. Very familiar. (laughs) What else? Like when they're very flirty to other people, I think that can be considered also. Cyber stalking a crush, maybe? Or dressing up really well to see a co worker or a friend? Ooh, following girls or guys on social media and liking their posts, putting uncalled for comments, getting really touchy or intimate with someone else, or giving gifts like grand gifts or something like that. Some people say having crushes during a relationship is okay. I mean, yeah, it's okay if it's like for a K-pop idol or something, like a celebrity. But for example, a crush on a common friend? Like, bruh, I don't think that's healthy. I don't think I can take micro-cheating lightly because of my concept of self-preservation, which we should all practice. We are not some type of pushovers or rugs for other people, so yeah. Don't. Just don't do it. Do you think dreams are something significant to us or is it just a random thought surfacing? Oh my god, I dream a lot when asleep and typically they're all nightmares. I heard people, some people, interpret dreams and I'd like to speak with them because my dreams are very vivid and feel so real. I don't really know much about the spiritual realm and the earthly realm or reality, but the professional told me that when we're asleep, our fight or flight response is down and our coping mechanisms are also down. That's why there are unwanted thoughts surfacing or sometimes good thoughts resurfacing. Dreams can actually tell you your biggest fear or your biggest desire. I think dreams are significant. They can tell things. I remember one of my friends called me joseph the dreamer because she thinks i have the gift of prophecy for some reason i recall telling them that i have dreamt of this or i've seen this before like a deja vu moment it happens so often because i'm such a vivid dreamer oh shoot that's probably why i have insomnia because of my body being afraid of nightmares i am getting i'm kidding i really don't know about that yet but no worries i've been sleeping well lately and been getting good dreams too. I always pray before sleeping to show gratitude and let go of my worries. Yeah, that's my secret. Tips on how to say no to people important to you. Ooh, this is difficult. I struggle with this. That's hard because they'll feel unimportant if you say no. But the easiest way here is to set boundaries. Like, saying hey i can't make it today something came up even if you're just not feeling like going out 
In my case, I feel bad when I don't go to family gatherings, especially if school gets in the way. But I can't really help it. We have to choose ourselves first and make it up to them sooner or later. One way to say no is to become an effective communicator. Like say, hey, it pains me that I can't do this for you. It's just that I'm having a bad day and I want to rest. But this doesn't mean I don't love and miss you, etc. Because, you know, honesty has its value too. Personally, I hate making alibis for so many reasons. Like, it's so obvious. It's a shitty excuse. It's so fake. So, it just begins with a good conversation with all honesty and acknowledgement of each other's feelings, validating them. Again, don't be a pushover. You have your own time and you get to choose what to do with it. I also think that these are things you are allowed not to say sorry for. Don't say sorry when you set boundaries for yourself or when you say no. But don't just say no casually. Make come across mean, but... If you'd like to, I won't stop you. But yeah, you can say things like, I want to, but I'm I'm unable to do so. Or I appreciate you asking me, but I can't. Or I'm not able to commit to blah, blah, blah right now. Or I understand you need help, but I'm not the best to give you that, etc, etc. It's also good to remember that it is not our responsibility to meet expectations of others. Or manage their reaction, behavior, or emotions. It's not our duty to figure out their needs, whether they may be important to you or not. But that's just me and my selfishness. Selfishness! (laughs) So yeah, that's pretty much what I can answer here so far. Thanks for all the questions. Thank you so much for tuning in here in my new podcast, I have exciting things coming up, so I hope you watch out for that. Once again, this is Leia, and thank you for listening to the Ponder Over Podcast. Bye!